1: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson as always. I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope uh, things are well with you today. Hope it's payday for you. Whether you be a weekly or bi-weekly wage earner, today may be the big day. Hope you get out and have a chance to do some things with those you love the most. We will be uh, headed to College Station, Texas here shortly. Well, since we finish up the show, uh, I'll be on the road west and, uh, you know, win or lose, no matter what our expectations are, we'll go cover the games. And uh, Dave Murray, Justin Farmer, and I will all be out there along with the bride who will uh, shoot some images for us. But um, headed down there. And, um, you know, hopefully we get a win. I'm not overly optimistic. But uh, there's a reason we play the games. We're going to break down the Aggies on today's show, uh, kind of get a you know, sense of where they are, what they're about, what we can expect. I know a lot of people have already checked out on the season, but um, you know we're going to go cover the games, and uh, we're going to do our best to provide you the best coverage of Mississippi State sports on and off the field. And uh, I think we know where this thing may be headed. I think we all do, and so we're prepared for that possibility as well. So I just want to make sure you guys know uh, we're still committed to the cause, and uh, we'll head down there, and it'll be a quick turnaround. So we got to get back. It's a long drive. For sure. It is a long drive to College Station, Texas, from Starkville, but uh, we'll make it, and uh, we'll make it with a smile on our face, and hopefully we come home with a smile uh, on our face. But, um, you know, we've had some success against Texas A&M. It's kind of difficult to explain. I know it is for the uh, Aggie media, too. Is why does Mississippi State just had their number? Uh, but we have. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Bulldog Burger Company is a great place for you to take your family, your friends, your co-workers, whoever you want to break bread with, uh, to have an incredible meal. I've ate at Bulldog Burger Company twice this week, twice, that's right. I had the Bryant, and then I had the Mississippi Barbecue Burger, and that Mississippi Barbecue Burger always hits, it does, it absolutely does. Uh, Get in there and get nourished, you know, it's not just about eating, you know, we eat for survival. When you go to Bulldog Burger Company, you're eating for enjoyment as well. I, I know I do. When I go in there, I'm always excited to be there. Sometimes it's difficult to make a decision on what I want off the menu because everything uh, just looks so delicious. Uh, three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street. there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have those spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need more of that. It's true. It's true, some more than others. So maybe get a double, uh, and get that chocolate shake to go. I, the other day I had the uh, the chocolate cherry for the first time. It's outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I'm a uh, advocate for dessert to go. So maybe you get that bread pudding, uh, but certainly the chocolate shake to go. Go to Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. All right, let's not wasting time because I don't know how long we can go today. Uh, we're we're going to get it done as efficiently as we can, get as in much information articulated as we can. If that's an hour, then that's an hour. If it's an hour and ten, it's an hour and ten. Uh, I'm wasting minutes talking about that now. Uh, let's take a look at uh, how Texas A&M got to this point. They opened up the season with a 52-10 to two, 52 to 52 win in College Station against New Mexico, the Lobos. It's like I can't get away from Albuquerque. Uh, but that's a big win for A&M. And then they go on the road the next week. Huge game for, for between them and Miami. And they lose that game 48-33. And uh, really thought A&M had a chance to go down there and get it. Now, offensively, they were really good. That That's the big outlier with them defensively. And, of course, you look at Miami. It's not like Miami's absolutely setting the woods on fire. But I think that gave a lot of people a chance for the worm to kind of turn a little bit said. You know, maybe this thing with Petrino is going to be okay, but we've got to get out of our own way here. The next week, 47-3 win over Louisiana Monroe. You'd expect that even if you were our were calling plays. You got to be able to out-athlete a team like that, and they did. But, again, you look at the first three weeks of the season, you know, offensively, with Bobby Petrino, you know, behind the controls there, that's 52-33-47 points. Some room for optimism to say the least. A very pedestrian Auburn team rolls into uh Kyle Field and, and the Auburn offense again hasn't set the woods on fire. And this game went about as you'd expect, because this AM defense is pretty legit. Twenty-seven to ten win, and so it's three and one Aggies and you headed to Arlington. And that Arlington game between A and M and Arkansas is always so incredibly entertaining. And they play that game at Jerry World. And uh, not that I'm, a, you know, in favor of us giving up a home game for a neutral side game. And we did that for years with Jackson. You know, I don't know if that that helps us. Now, granted, we're not, you know, uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium pales in comparison to what there is at Jerry World. But this is always. An exciting game, and it seems like whoever wins this game goes on to the better year. It appears that's going to be the case this year, too, as uh, A&M gets some 34-22, and if you recall, it, it seemed to be a lot worse than that early on. Arkansas tried to climb back in it a little bit later in the ballgame, but uh, it, it, felt, it never felt like A&M was out of control. And then you start thinking, okay, they've got to go against Alabama, and the last time that Alabama made the trip to Kyle Field. You had the big last-second field goal. And a lot of people are ready to leave Jimbo Fisher dead and buried at that point because we beat them. And while they didn't win the ball game, they acquitted themselves really well against Alabama. They lose 26-20. to Now, granted, that Alabama defense is uh, much better than the ones they'd faced before, but, you know, offensively you think, hey, we're within a score – and it's weird how the last few years have gone between Alabama and A&M. Jimbo has given Nick Saban some some trouble, some trouble to say the least. If I can get it out. The next week you go to Tennessee, you drop that game twenty to thirteen. So all of a sudden, offensively, you're maybe not what you thought you were. And and this t- Tennessee defense is good. They're not elite, and that's one of those games you look at and say, well, you know, it's so difficult to go on the SEC road, but you're within a score. So, at that point, you know, a lot of their their fans, you kind of jump off the bandwagon. Say, you know what, hey, we've already got three losses. It's not going to be a special year. Jimbo probably needs to be fired. You bounce back. You get South Carolina 30-17, as you should. And uh, the Gamecocks really struggling over there injury-wise. I understand if one of my conversations with uh, one of my friends that works over there is that uh, they're down to seven scholarship offensive linemen. And, you know, the best receiver's been hurt this year. There's a lot going on, and uh, you know Shane Beamer, of course, has built up some currency with that fan base and signed that big extension in the offseason, so certainly South Carolina's not going to make a move this year. But uh, it has not been the year that they had hoped for. It may have been the year that you and I expected, because I, I still think they were ahead of schedule. And you got to begin to think, okay, what's going to happen now that, you know, Spencer Rattler's moving on. Uh, what does that team look like next year? They've got some young talent, but uh, probably need to hit the portal and then finally, uh, last week's game, uh, probably one of the better games of the week around the country uh, against Ole Miss. A game that went down to the final seconds, as you know. It was, uh, Ole Miss with a, a fingertip block. And that's really all it takes. It doesn't matter if you slam dunk it or you just get a finger on it and uh, blocks a game time field goal. But the AM offense kind of got going for the first time in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, they had not scored much in the second half. They did last week. And one could argue they probably should have won the game. But in the end, it's Ole Miss making the plays to win and A&M not making enough of those plays. So, again, you look at these losses, you know, outside of the loss to Miami, you know, they've all come within a score. It's truly a team that's better than their record indicates. And you say, well, you you know, you are what your record says you are. That's true. But I don't think all five and four teams are made equal. I mean, they're a game better than us. Does it feel like that? It feels like they're substantially better than us based on the quality of play let's just you know kind of call it for what it is yeah we're we're four and five if we'd beaten South Carolina we'd be five and four but I still wouldn't feel like that we're playing at the same level a and is so we're going to play them at six thirty uh tomorrow night the next week they'll host Abilene Christian for senior day and then they'll travel to LSU and uh, LSU, you know, big news for them, it looks like Jaden Daniels will play this weekend. Uh, but, you know, last year that was kind of the saving grace of the season. They rushed the field when they upset LSU, kept LSU out of the New Year's Six. But they're 5-4 and four with three to play. And you feel like, hey, I, I, I picked them 8-4 and four at the beginning of the year, thought they'd finish third in the West. That's clearly going to be uh, Ole Miss, it appears. But um, you know, what does this mean? What does a seven and five finish mean for Jimbo? Now, there are a lot of people in the media that are kind of speculating hey, seven and five, they're probably going to make a change. Now, I've got some friends, as you guys know, that work in the agent industry. I was told yesterday they're not expected to make a change at College Station this year. Now, let's say we go down there and beat those guys. And then Abilene Christian, they get that win. And then uh, they lose at LSU and go 6-6. Six and six. I would think there are probably some people with some big checkbooks that may be a little more motivated. But as of now, they're not expected to make a change. And in the event that Mississippi State makes a change, I think that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Now, of course, if a does make a move, and again, you talk to enough people in the media, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, this has got to happen. This has got to happen. Uh, but... The agent world, there's not a lot of this chatter at this point about them coming open because that, you know, again, that buyout is so incredibly heavy, shall we say. Uh, but that's how the Aggies got to where they are right now. Now, historically, Mississippi State and A&M has uh, not been maybe the series that a lot of people um, have really looked at and said, hey, Mississippi State done a better job against A&M Every single year, people just expect them to beat us, but for, for one reason or another, uh, they haven't been able to do that with regularity. Matter of fact, State leads the series nine games to seven. Did you know that? Yeah, it's true. Now, it's not a very long-running series. We first met back in 1912. A&M wins that game 41-7. to Your Bulldogs, the next two years, well, the next two meetings kind of rallied. We were 6 nothing winners in 13, 7-0 winners in 15. We didn't play again, until 1937, and we played them in Tyler, Texas. I guess that, you know, hey, we'll kind of meet you halfway. Kind of an odd place to play a game. But uh, A&M wins 14-0. We don't see those guys again until we get into the modern era of college football, and we play them in the Snow Bowl in 2000. So it was a 2-2 two and two record prior to the Snow Bowl. Of course, that's the battle between R.C. Slocum and Jackie Sherrill. And the Bulldogs win that game. Julius Griffith's shining moment, dare I say, returning that uh, extra point back for a uh, a safety. And then Wayne Madkin plunges across the goal line. State wins 43-41 in one of the most memorable bowl games in the history of Mississippi State football. What's interesting is we should have been in the Outback Bowl that year. We should have been. That's what we were slotted for. We didn't get it. And, of course, the SEC kind of took over bowl pairings a couple years later. But nevertheless, very entertaining game. And many of you that didn't attend the game, when you turned on the TV, you were surprised with what you saw, as was most of the nation. And the fact that the, the two teams combined for 84 points under those conditions is pretty remarkable. Uh, Jamar Toombs, big AM and running back, was erroneously credited with being the first guy in Independence Bowl history to run for three touchdowns in a game. What makes that so ridiculous is it was Dante Walker who did it in the same game. And Dante scored his third touchdown before Jamar Toombs did. But uh, it was the battle of the big backs on the frozen tundra of Shreveport, Louisiana. All right, we don't see him again as a non-conference foe. The next time the Bulldogs and Aggies get together is 2012. Do you remember that? That's the We Believe year. And Johnny Manziel came in here and absolutely destroyed us. I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, we've seen some great players over the years, right? We've had Tim Tebow here. You know, played Herschel Walker back in the 80s. Had Bo Jackson here, Brent Fullwood. You know, there's been so many great players. there, Henry. I don't know if we've ever had anybody come in here and dominate us by an individual performance more than Johnny Manziel did. And here we were thinking we were gonna bounce back. And you know, we thought, oh, this a and a fluke. No, Johnny football, baby. And he got us. And uh, that was a very difficult year as it played out, just because of the fact I think we thought we had graduated. We had a very, very, um, you know, easy non-conference schedule. We're like, oh, you know, we believe, and listen, I get it, I get it, I'm all about esprit spree de decor. but we saw something historic that day with Johnny Manziel. We absolutely could not get that guy on the ground no matter what we did, and that game was over at the half. All right, 2013, we make the trip to Coway Station, Texas, and man, if we play a little bit of special teams, we beat Johnny Manziel and a and in his final game in College Station. But we don't. We lose 51-41. And, again, if you just make a tackle here, we did a really good job. I say a really good job. As, as Johnny Manziel standards go. Maybe we didn't do as well as OSU did against him. But um, you say, Steve, we gave up 51 points. We do. And a couple of those are because of special teams plays. But the thing that I remember about this is Dak Prescott going over there and uh, was completely, completely beaten up in that ballgame. Wanted to be a hero for his team, and things really changed. Of course, he had lost Miss Peggy. And uh, there were so many people, A&M people, especially some of their players that had said, you know, that's Dak Prescott, guy's a warrior. guy's got my ultimate respect. Towards the end of the game, he couldn't even lift his arm. It's crazy. And then Mississippi State found a way to figure some things out get the big guy, win in the Egg Bowl, win at Arkansas, win in the Egg Bowl, and then ultimately uh, destroy Rice in the uh, in Liberty Bowl with Dak under center because Tyler Russell was out for the year. Poor old Tyler Russell got injured against Oklahoma State and he just kind of stayed beat up the whole year. Never, never, ever forget the contributions Tyler Russell made to this football program and uh, making that start on the road in Little Rock, Arkansas, Saved our season. I remember Tyler hanging in there, taking one last big shot. We had to put Damian Williams in, in overtime to win the game. But uh, it, was a, it was a difficult year, but we found a way. 2014, and this was kind of the coming out party for Mississippi State and Dak Prescott, right? You know, we'd gotten off to a pretty good start, right? We'd gone out there and, and uh, taken care of Southern Miss and UAB and South Alabama, and then we went and beat LSU, and, uh, you know, Kenny Trill, remember that? Everybody's like, oh, give him the Heisman Trophy. And he comes to but We beat those guys 48-31. to 31. And the game was worse than that score indicated. It truly was. We absolutely dominated Texas A&M that day. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, wait a minute. These guys in Starkville are pretty good. And we were. 2015, very, very frustrating game for us as we head down to College Station. You know, Dak's senior year. This is one of those ones I look back and, you know, they had some skilled players that I thought were going to give us some trouble on defense, but, um, you know, uh, we get down in this ball game and we kind of battle our way back, and then Aris Williams fumbles in plus territory to end what should have been a scoring drive. We come out in the second half and we get it to Bear Wilson and uh, we're across midfield with a first down and then he fumbles a football. Turnovers were the difference in this ball game. You know, we got behind, but we rallied back, and then we kind of aided in our own demise with some turnovers that uh, killed some punishing drives. We lose that game 30-17, to and of all the losses we've had to them, that's one of the ones that kind of sticks in the crawl for me. All right, State wins the next three, 2016. You may recall this one. A&M comes in ranked, what, fourth in the FBS playoff, and everybody's thinking, hey, these guys are going to cruise right into playoffs. But now Nick Fitzgerald's like, nah, I got this. Very first play from scrimmage for Mississippi State. They run a quarterback uh, zone read off left side for Rod Green with a pill-out block there. Next thing you know, Fitzgerald's in the end zone. And uh, the only thing that kept this game close was a clip-aided punt return from Christian Kirk right before the half. Because State was dominating that game. And the very first two guys down get blocked in the back. It goes uncalled. Everybody loses their mind. Kirk runs right in front of me along the uh, state sideline for the score. What a talented player he was and is. But State wins the game. And uh, it was a Nick Fitzgerald touchdown late. They kind of put this thing away. He and Harris Williams, good ball game. Uh, 2017, we go down to College Station, Nick Fitzgerald again. And, uh, you know, they, they were ready to be finished. Uh, Kellen Mond, of course, was the quarterback then. He really struggled against us. Fitzgerald with a big game. Jamal Peters with a late pick six in that game. And to kind of give us some room to breathe. But uh, it was a very subdued crowd. I don't think that'll be the case this week. But it was a very subdued crowd in that ball game. And by the end of the third quarter, they didn't have anything to cheer about. And most of them, as Jack Crystal would say, elected to seek their entertainment elsewhere. But 35-14 winners and 17. 2018, they come in here. And of course, everybody's expecting a to get us. They're going to get us. They're going to get us. going to get us. No. No, they didn't. They didn't. And uh, if you remember, Kellen Mond essentially kind of removed all doubt by throwing the pick to Errol Thompson. You know, they come, they get down low and get down close, and it uh, looks like it's going to be a ball game, and he throws it right to Errol Thompson. He picks it off. And then late in that ball game, coming out of a timeout, Joe Moorhead turns to Nick Fitzgerald. we got the play call set up, and he says, hey, Nick, how's it? In the very next play, Nick Fitzgerald puts this game away. A long touchdown run off the left side. What a tremendous year it was for Nick Fitzgerald. State wins 28-13. 2019, Joe Moorhead told me this is one of the low points right here because uh, it wasn't just the score he said. It was just the uh, the lack of enthusiasm that we had. We just weren't excited to play. And uh, take A&M really had an answer for everything we did. Uh, one of the more lopsided defeats for us in this series is uh, A&M gets us 49-30. And, and uh, I didn't even make this game. Uh, we had had a brand-new book out, and uh, I had to sign all those uh, pre order copies. And I, to be honest with you, I was glad that I didn't. I thought, you know what, I'm glad I'm doing something productive with my day today. You know, Dave Murray was there covering for us, but uh, it was brutal, Forty nine thirty In 2020, uh, the best year of Kellen Mond's career, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I've never been a Kellen Mond fan, but he got a, did a really, really job in 2020, but it took him forever to get there. They talk about Jimbo being the quarterback whisperer. It took them forever to get Kevin Mond uh, to a point that he wouldn't lose them football games. Uh, This was a game, man. And, um, you know, you go back and look at it in hindsight, you know, we just couldn't score. You know, and that's, of course, you know, the 2020 year, we're just trying to figure things out. You know, our our big play in that ball game was uh, the big pick six from Emmanuel Forbes. They kind of put us back in it. But, uh, you know, they kind of ran the ball when they wanted to and ate up the second half of that ball game, beat us 28-14. That's the last time they beat us. In 2021, Will Rogers takes us down there, and uh, we win the game 26-22. And, again, this is an A.M. team It was kind of herky-jerky, but Will Rogers, uh, you know, silenced that crowd as best they could. If memory serves me correctly, it's about 84,000 people. Uh, The late play in that ball game is Nathan Pickering knifing through, and it would have been a sack. They throw it away, it ends up being intentional grounding. Uh, Either way, it's a safety for the Bulldogs. And then we basically just kind of run the clock out and win 26-22. And then last year, 42-24. You talk about a game that wasn't competitive. Uh, Mississippi State pretty much did what we wanted to do. Of course, the the big separator in that game was the uh, block field goal from Emmanuel Forbes. It comes rolling in off the edge there and blocks it. And uh, DeCam picks it up and runs it back. State wins 42-24. So, again, State leads a series nine uh, to seven and has won five of the last seven meetings. That's probably not something you're going to read in the SEC media reports. But, uh, you know, I, I certainly think a has got a really good chance to uh, even things up or get closer to even this thing up this year. Uh, I just, you know, we just don't seem to have any juice. And uh, while some of their fans are down on them, they're just playing more competitive football than us. Let's just kind of call it for what it is. Let's look here and see uh, kind of who's, who's doing the deal uh, for the Aggies.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgrainger.com or just stop by.
1: Now, of course, Anaya Smith, we know him. That guy's electric. You've got to kick it away from him. This is where Nick Barmira has to be a difference maker in his ballgame. You absolutely cannot kick it to Anaya Smith. I mean, he's got that same Christian Kirk feel about him, right? I mean, it's just you know that at any point, he's a guy that can change the game. One of the fastest players in all of college football. You let that guy get in the open field, you, know, you don't have anybody on the roster that can catch him. You don't. And that's not, you know, a shot at Mississippi State. That's just really a testament uh, to the ability of Anaya Smith. And State's done some pretty good things against Smith. Uh, other times, too, he's had some big-gash runs against us. And they move him around so much, too, as Matt Brock said earlier this week. I mean, they'll even line him up some at fullback, you know. Uh, they'll, they'll flex him out as a wide receiver. They'll put him out there in basically a wingback position, bring him across backside formation. They do a lot of things with him. Uh, you know quickly we'll go through these team numbers here and am averaging thirty-two point three points a game allowing just 21.5 you would think the record would be better of course they did uh, you know blow out their non-conference opponents but again you know they've been in every game and even the miami game until it got late 198 first downs for them and uh, 107 of those through the air uh, so better, better than 50%, their first down conversions have come in the passing game, despite the fact that you know, Connor Wegman's out for the year. Max Johnson got really beat up last year, and there's still some, there's still some chatter that he may not play. And if he does play, uh, he's far from 100%. Ole Miss really beat him up last week. Uh, on the ground, they've, uh, they've netted, uh, let's see here, 1100, 1,180 yards on the year and uh, 14 touchdowns. They've allowed just 900 yards rushing. You know, we're a team that wants to run football, and that big physical front they have have said, you know what, nobody really runs football against us. Think about that. You know, you're nine games into the season, they've allowed 900 yards. So if that's going to be a big tenant of our offense, um, we're going to find the sledding to be very difficult. It's true. AM quarterbacks have combined to be 200 of 311 this year uh, with, with seven interceptions. Uh, they're allowed, they're, they're excuse me, they're amassing 270 yards per game, allowing 196. Total passing offense, 2,431 yards for them and 17 touchdowns for the Aggies. Uh, total offense, and again, Bobby Petrino's out there, uh, you know, getting in his bag, as the kids say. But, guys, they're averaging over 400 yards per game. And you look at the schedule, it, it's legit. It isn't it ain't like they've just beat, beaten up on Vanderbilt and, and other, uh, you know, you the bottom feeders of the league, you know, they've played a really good schedule, and you do in the SEC West. But 34 touchdowns for this offense; they've allowed 22. You know, we're going to need this thing to be a low-scoring game to have a chance. And um, and let's just kind of call it for what it is. I mean, based on what you've seen from State's offense the last three weeks, low scoring certainly applies. Uh, kickoff, they do a great job. They always seem to, it seems. Uh, excuse me, punting. Uh, only 39.83 punts a game, you know, uh, yards per punt. Excuse me. I'm terribly sorry. i got to get going this morning. Uh, but their net average is 37.21. That That's not the year that they, they would expect, you know. They've uh, had some really good special teams players over the year, but uh, it hasn't been a great year punting-wise. And the thing about short punts, they're difficult to return, right? Uh, penalties, 63 for 480. Opponents, 78 of 669. Uh, They have done a good job in time of possession, even though that stat's kind of meaningless these days. Third down conversions, uh, they're converting at a 43.9 clip. They're five, excuse me, seven of 13 in fourth down conversions. Defensively, opponents are only converting at a 29.66%, so less than a third. And again, a lot of that's got to do with that big front. You know, this defense has kind of quietly went under the radar. But these guys are legit. They are. They've had some offensive struggles. And you're thinking, man, if the offense, even though you went out and got Petrino and they are taking a step forward, if the offense kind of held up their end of the deal, a and might still be in the mix for some pretty cool things. All right, Le'Veon Moss, not expected to play against Mississippi State. They say he's day-to-day. But Jimbo Fisher said earlier this week that uh, he thought it would be a one- to two-week deal. Uh, And they may try to get him ready to go. Uh, They did say, and to quote Jimbo, it is nothing surgical. But uh, Le'Veon Moss leads them with 439 yards. Now, there's not much variance between he and Amari Daniels, who's rushed for 425 yards. And uh, Ruben Owens is a guy that's, uh, you know, been kind of a complimentary back with 185. But uh, it's primarily been the Moss and Daniels show. And then, of course, Anaya Smith uh, has had some opportunities That's a run to football, too. But uh, by and large, they've used him more as a pass catcher this year. You know, we've been in some situations before where um, when I Smith just lines up over the field against us. Uh, From a passing standpoint, Max Johnson is uh, playing eight games. He's 118 of 190 with five interceptions, completion percentage of 62.11, 1,452 yards passing, nine touchdowns. Connor Wegman uh, is done for the season. And uh, 82 of 119, two interceptions, 979 yards. And it just seems like, too, people are talking about these quarterback injuries like it's Jimbo's fault. Uh, And I I see that, like, on the message boards and in a press conference. Somebody even asked. It's like, is there any commonality? What do you attribute all these quarterback injuries to? Uh, And and Jimbo has kind of broke them down. I mean, nothing. It's just been bad luck for those guys. Because everybody – the first thing when people get injured, they say, well – you know, this is uh, gotta be strength and conditioning. You know, Max Johnson had the big turf toe, and of course, Haynes King had to you know run out in the open field. You know, they've had some injuries at quarterback. But it almost just kind of feels like their snake pit in many respects. I don't know how you can blame Jimbo for a kid getting injured. All right, Anaya Smith leads them with 39 catches for 652 yards, along a long of 42. He is an explosive player. You going to shade some coverage to his side. Evan Stewart didn't play last week. Uh, not exactly sure what his availability is this week. They did say that there's a possibility he could play. He's played in seven games, uh, 37 catches, 506 yards, four touchdowns. Evan Stewart is legit, absolutely legit. Now, Moose Muhammad killed us last couple years. It seems like he he just constantly gets open, and uh, this 17 catches this year. He has not had the year that many people expected. It's interesting. It is. I mean, you, you look at the you know. Some of the names that they're familiar, but some other guys have been around for a while and they're just not, you know, participating or producing at the same level. Now, Mississippi State, former Mississippi State recruit Edran Cooper, we had a really good chance to get him until A and M got involved. To be honest with you, we were projecting him to be a Bulldog because we were told LSU was probably not going to take him. A and M gets involved; it's worked out well for both sides. As Cooper now leads a team with 59 tackles, played nine games this year. 16 tackles for loss. That's a loud statistic. And then seven sacks. Six quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and a pass breakup. You talk about filling up the stat sheet, there you go. And he said, but Steve, why aren't his numbers higher? What's because they're getting off the field. A lot of times the the, uh, the teams that have the leading tacklers in this league are the teams that uh, are mediocre or worse because your defense is always on the field. Uh, Tory in York also with 50 tackles uh, on the year. Demani Richardson, it feels like he's never going to leave. Feels like Demonte, Maybe it's just me, but it feels like Demani Richardson has been at Texas A&M since I was in college. A native of Waxahachie, Texas, he is finally, finally a senior. And what a great player he's been! 46 tackles for them. Uh, four quarterback hurries. You know they, they moved that guy around. You can expect to see him in some and some blitz packages, but also a guy, too, you got to be careful with the one football around. You do. Uh, Josh DeBerry, 39 tackles. Bryce Anderson, 35. Jacoby Matthews, the guy that we recruited. Remember him? Do you? Yeah. A lot of people thought he was going to be a bulldog. Uh, out of Ponchatoula, Louisiana. But familiar faces, right? Uh, look at special teams numbers here. We talked about Nick Constantino a little bit. He has not had the All American caliber year that many people projected. Twenty eight punts, averaging forty point zero seven. They out. They have a team punt. I don't. How, how do you have a team punt? Somebody has to kick it. Not. That's probably a glitch in, in the numbers there. But anyway, so he's averaging forty, and then. Um, a long of 53, I think that came last week, maybe. And then just one touchback on the year, 10 fair catches. And, again, you expect that with the shorter punts. Nine inside of the 20, three of 50-plus. But um, it hadn't been the year they'd hoped. And maybe that factors in. That was one of the things last year we talked about. You know, it's like, hey, if it gets down to the battle of punting, we're probably in trouble. Randy Bond, another guy I feel like he's been there forever, 18 of 26 field goal attempts, 8 of 9 inside 30. And then five of five from 30 to 39, two of eight from 40 to 49, and then three of four of 50-plus. He's had four blocked this year. Didn't expect to hear that today. Four blocked. So maybe states, special teams can take advantage of that, make a play too. Kickoffs, Randy Bond, uh, 56, and only 30 of them have been touchbacks. So it's about 50-50, right? Uh, Ethan Mokalewski or Mazalewski. He's had three kickoffs, one for touchback, and then Blair Zepeda, two for one. So, again, it's about a 50-50 proposition, just under. When A M kicks off, then the kicks are returnable. Seems like we say it every week. But uh, Tulu should have a chance to make a play here. He should. And, uh, you know, last week did, I, th- I thought that uh, Kentucky did a good job of kind of neutralizing that, right? They got down. I don't know if it's something we did in our blocking scheme or whatever, but uh, – they did a really good job getting to Tulu. And there were a couple times I thought he was about to get loose, but uh, give the Kentucky coverage unit some credit. Uh, They did a really good job kind of hemming us up here. And so uh, I don't expect to win the game. And I know that's not breaking any news, but uh, we're going to get in the car and go down there anyway because you just never know. That's why you go to the games, right? Uh, It's not just a job for me. I mean, I could just sit back and say, you know what? Hey, you know, David and Justin are going to go down there, and I'll just stay home. You know, maybe I'll go watch a soccer game tomorrow. Maybe I'll just hit up, the, you know, Brian Ogden and go cover the soccer game tomorrow. You no. Know? And listen, I wish James Armstrong and that group the best tomorrow. You know, we've never won. Uh, we've, we've only hosted two times in our history. It's the third time. I was mistaken the, the other day. I forgot we hosted yesterday. But, uh, you know, we've got a chance uh, to do something uh, pretty special with that group. So, if you're in town, maybe I encourage you to go out and uh, maybe set records at the NCAA tournament game on the Mississippi State campus. But – uh, we're going to go down there because it is a job, but it's also to, you know, again, I could just say, you know what, we're not going to go. You know, I'll just let David and Justin go down there. Justin's never been to College Station. He's never been to Kyle Field. He'll have the novelty of that. we will just kind of work here from, uh, you know, mission control. But um, I would never deny myself the opportunity to see State do something cool. And, um, you know, I mean that. What, what if we go down there and win the game? Yeah, you know, we have not looked good offensively for three weeks, and you don't need me to tell you that. You see it yourself. You know, there's the big thing making the rounds now that Will Rogers, uh, you know, tweeted out the pick or, or shared something on his Instagram story. Somebody, a couple people, sent it to me screenshots of Will saying ready to be back. These guys, cowboy hat on, he's had some good games against A and I'm not expecting him back. And uh, I think there's a little mystery. I think maybe Will's having some fun with that. And of course, Will could surprise me. They, they, it's so crazy how this whole quarterback thing has been all year. And and frankly, you know, it's like when Will was playing, everybody wanted to see Mike Wright play, and now Mike Wright's playing. People want Will back. You know, and at the end of the day, it's like we just want to stop hurting, right? I mean, where everybody's invested in this, and we just want the pain to stop. It doesn't matter who is the starting quarterback as long as we find a way to win and we're competitive. And uh, so I, I don't expect Will to play. I think Will's having some fun. Uh, but if they roll him out there, you know, I don't know what kind of chance it gives State. That's not a slight or Will Rogers' ability, but, you know, he hadn't played in a game since Western Michigan. So there's going to be some rust. And, again, this A&M defense is legit. And so a lot of people wonder, who are we are going to start? Uh, I think Chris Parson obviously deserves to have the lion's share of the reps. I, don't, I won't be surprised if, we, if Mike Wright starts. And immediately, that's an emotional reaction. Everybody's like, no, 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 I've seen enough. I just don't know if I want to roll him out there on the very first series and say, okay, kid, here you go, go win this football game. Now, I understand every possession is going to be precious, but uh, at least Mike Wright's been in these environments before. And maybe you script some things up, no matter how that first drive goes, and then maybe you hand it over to Parson. I think Wright probably starts with a short leash. But I won't be surprised either way. There's so much mystery involved in all this stuff. And a lot of us just to keep opponents guessing. But i tell you, it had not helped us. It, we talked about them having more to prepare for. It absolutely had not helped us. And now you begin to ask yourself, you know, hey, if, if we just went ahead and announced this guy's going to be our starter, uh, do we even score? You know, that, those are the things that I think about. You play this little cat-and-mouse game with people, and it better pay off for you. Because if not, it just comes across as kind of annoying. But uh, it absolutely hasn't helped us and. Yeah, to be quite honest with you, this is this is the best defense we played in a month. The Arkansas defense is pretty good. Uh, this they got some NFL guys on this AM group. Auburn defense maybe not as talented as they have been, and not as talented as, as A&M. And remember, let's A&M beat those two teams, right? A&M didn't play Kentucky, but uh, I, I would take Kentucky, and uh, I would take A&M in Lexington right now. This a defense is legit, and so I don't want to get uh, Chris Parson overwhelmed by any stretch of the imagination, but I think based on the current quarterback situation, I think that maybe your best chance to win, is give Chris the ability to get out there and kind of do some things. And, uh, you know, of course, it, 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 it makes your playbook a little more basic. It does, and granted, he's been running scout team much of the year. He's had a couple different injuries. And, uh, and, again, there was some you know, people suggesting earlier this year he was out for the year. We knew better, but we didn't know when he was going to be able to return. There was, in fact, you know, some health concerns with him. But, you know, listen, you can play him the remainder of the games and not burn his red shirt. So take full advantage of that. I mean, that was the thing that was the plan originally was to play him some against Western Michigan. And in, in the week of practice, he got banged up and couldn't go. You know, it's funny how life works. But we'll see. You know, uh, again, I'm not optimistic. I do think State goes down there and um, and gets beat, and uh, I hate it, I do. But uh, we got to call it as we see it. And uh, again, I think our only hope here is if Max Johnson doesn't go. And the reason that I think that's important is because they'll have a third team quarterback too. When I say that, I think it's important to understand. The fact that we're hoping the third team quarterback plays to give us a chance to win is probably the greatest indictment on our program right now. That we can't just expect to go play to go play Texas A&M, a place that we have won. A place that we have had some great success against an opponent that we have uh, we lead the series against that we can't even say, "Hey, we're going to go play at A&M." Now, if they play their number 2 quarterback, we're probably going to get beat. But if they play their number three, then maybe we have a chance. It's just, it's so gross to even say it that way. This is where we are as a program that we have to hope that they play a the third team quarterback. I mean, it just, that just, even thinking about that, it just kind of blows your mind. You say, well, Steve, just go win the game. Yeah. Listen, back in 14, and granted that was a special team for us, when AM came in here, you and I both felt that AM was a trouble. And they were. This makes me feel a little like a 2016 year, right? I thought, you know, what, we're done. I mean, there wasn't anybody at the ball game that day. Davis Wade wasn't. And Nick Fitzgerald found a way to win the game. And he had some teammates around him that helped him. It was a huge win for our program. It really was. And most of you missed it. But this, we've fallen, man. We have. And the fact that we need somebody else to be beat up and injured or whatever for us to feel like we can be competitive, that's an indictment on our football program. It is. All right, time for our top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. at C-O-L-S-E, C-L-O-S-E, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, A-I-R. Am I, am, I, am I getting it right? I think I am. But nevertheless, you can get Blair on his text or phone line at 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. Why would you want him? Well, maybe you have mortgage needs or concerns, and uh, Blair Chandler, 22 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back-to-back, top one percent close ratio in the country. You know, there's a lot of things that you can, uh, you know, do in life that uh, don't have a lot of consequence. Getting yourself in a bad mortgage is not one of them. That is something that uh, stays with you for a long time, because, you know, it's a 30-year note, right? Right. Deal with a professional. Deal with somebody that's going to put you in the best deal possible based on your individual circumstances. There's underwriting guidelines. Blair knows them like the back of his hand. He also knows the underwriters themselves and knows, hey, this loan needs to be structured this way because of the fact that this is is what needs to happen. This is what makes it fit the guidelines. It's as simple as that. Uh, So the rest of that deal is, uh, you know, Blair is a longtime Mississippi State fan. He is a season ticket holder in multiple sports. That's a place here in town. Uh, so you're doing business with a family member. That's at closewithblair.com. Clotheswithblair.com. C-L-O-S-E with Blair. B-L-A-I-R.com. All right, let's jump into uh, the top 10 list. Uh, by request, it's Cypress Hill. And uh, I want to give credit here. So our friend from Twitter, Sylvester Cream. Yes, yes, Sylvester Cream. He hits us up and says, hey, uh, Steve, are you a fan of Cypress Hill? Can you do a top 10? Of them you haven't. It's true. And our friend Hunter Butler has hit me up and said, hey, you know, does Cypress Hill have 10 great songs? If so, I'm in for it. So we're gonna give the people what they want. It's Cypress Hill, that's right, that's right. Now, you may not know much about Cypress Hill, and uh, many of you do, those of you that uh, are down, you know. Uh, Cypress Hill is from a from a California bro- group. Uh, they were considered by many to be one of the originators and the innovators of the West Coast Sound. Been around since the late 80s. Of course, things changed for them in many respects, and Be Real joined the band. Uh, Send Dog and Mellow Man Ace were kind of the founders, and uh, you know, originally from Cuba did you know that it's true it's true and then dj mugs and be real joined the band and um you know mellow man ace has moved on it's still sin dog and be real but uh these guys have really kind of had the gangster sound forever and we talk about west coast hip-hop that they kind of you know typify what that is and uh cypress hill widely respected in the rock community as well a lot of great things and uh be Real, of course, uh, It's going out with Chuck D and Tom Morello and the guys in Rage Against the Machine. It's the Prophets of Rage. So there's some crossover impact with Cypress Hill. So we're going to get right to it. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about these tracks because we've got to get moving here. Uh, number 10, it's Lowrider. And no, it's not the cover of the War Classic. It's their own original one. Number 9, uh, pretty you know, self-explanatory what this one is. It's Hits from the Bong. Number 8, I want to spend a little time talking about this one. Now, the last action hero motion picture soundtrack was like the last great motion picture soundtrack. What I mean by that is, you know, the record companies used to release these albums in their entirety. And, you know, the movie was basically, you know, a showcase for this this music. And uh, they would release like the Footloose soundtrack and Flash. Everybody had those things. Last action hero was like the last major one had a ton of hits on it. Uh, got a big, great song from Tesla on there. But uh, one of my favorite Cypress Hill songs is on that soundtrack. And it's Cock the Hammer. Love it, man. Love that track. Number seven, along those same lines, it's Shoot 'Em Up. Number six, another uh, drug reference song. And you'd say, Steve, you're in recovery. I am. I still can appreciate good music. It's Dr. Green Thumb. Dr. Green Thumb. Number five, handling on the Pump. And I think we get into the top four here, and I think we all would agree, it's the top four. I think most people that don't Cypress Hill would say, you know what, this is it. Number four is, I ain't going out like that. I ain't going out. Number three, and a lot of people have covered this song over the years, including Rage Against a Machine. Obviously a connection, right? Rage covered this, and they had the big covers album, right? It's uh, how I could just kill a man. This is something you can't understand, how I could just kill a man. Number two, and there are some days that I could say this is my favorite Cypress Hill song of all time. It's got more of a rock edge to it. It's still true to the Be Real sound. I absolutely love it. It's got a uh, cameo from uh, Chino Moreno from the Deftones, and I'm not a fan of the Deftones, but what he says is pretty cool. And, of course, uh, Everlast also gets a shout-out in the uh, the song. And um, this is one of those songs like... um, it's a motivational song for me, it really is, because there's so much of this that is about perseverance and overcoming adversity, and uh, it is from the great Denzel Washington movie, Training Day. Incredible movie, but it's rock superstar. And it's one of those things, too. There's so many people, um, yeah, you go through life, and it's like, well, I want to do this and I want to be that, but you don't understand the work that's required to get to that point. And it's like that in our industry, too. I mean, it, it absolutely is. There's so many people in our industry, and uh, it's so interesting. So many people come aboard, and um, you talk to a lot of young and enterprising young writers, and, and then they get over here, and they realize how much work it is. You know, it's it's not. There's a lot of things that happen, man, that uh, you guys never see. You know, it's like when, when, especially when there's, you know, pending breaking news, like we'll get a brief out. But, uh, you know, you started working the phone. You got to talk to all these people, and it isn't just like, hey, I'm going to pick up and call this one guy. Not if you wanna do it right. Because you gotta take what that guy tells you and call the next guy and the, the next guy and the next guy and you gotta bet it all out. And it requires a lot of time and effort and sometimes you don't get a lot of content from it. You may spend the whole day on the phone sending texts and talking to people trying to get to the truth. And then in the end you may not get it. And then you're left with uh, you know, feathers. And what do you do, right? I still got obligations to meet, still got content I gotta produce. You spend all day chasing this story, you end up chasing your tail and getting nothing out of it. You know, when I first got started in this industry, you know, I was just writing recruiting stories. It's like, hey, it doesn't matter what the breaking news is. I'll just call and interview this kid from Hazelhurst. Oh, Mississippi State's getting beaten basketball. Okay, well, David will have that story. Let me go call this kid in Gulfport. Let me go call this kid. I can just sit down and call two or three kids, and I can punch out some content, right? And um, I mean this with as much respect as I possibly can. It's fast food journalism. It is. It's not to say we don't do it. I think we do a great job with it. But there's not a lot of skill. But you know that's the thing about, I think it, it really helped teach me how to write. You know, I, I've always, I was a born writer. I've always been a guy that could communicate with the written word. But learning how to write for people that give you immediate feedback can be an overwhelming undertaking. And uh, there's some people out there, it's like, you make a mistake, you're going to hear about it. And you need to hear about it. It's what makes you better. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, I've got some contemporaries, I've got some people that, uh, you know, that have been around for a long time and I read some of their stuff and I think, man, this is so basic and rudimentary. It's like they've never developed and maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're just like, you know what, I'm just happy doing this, man. And you know what, more power to them. I just wanted more. And uh, I continue to want more and I continue to work hard to have more. And uh, I think it's important, no matter what you are in life, no matter what you do or what you're pursuing, whatever, you got to understand there's a lot of fakes out there. You do. There are a lot of people that want to latch on to what you're doing and kind of say, hey, we're doing it too. No, no, no. Because I remember being those days, man, when uh, when I was with Scout, I had Arkansas, Louisiana, like not lsu Louisiana, and then Mississippi. And uh, I'd spend a lot of time on the road going and see kids. And um, I remember, I'm not going to say which kid it was, because it just made me angry again. I don't want to embarrass the, uh, the other person. The person's no longer in the industry with us. Um, but I'd gone out on the road and, um, in the state of Mississippi, and uh, I tweeted out, you know, when I went and saw a few kids, and before I get back to Baton Rouge, my competition had taken my information and passed it off as their own. And uh, there was one kid in particular. It's like I had interviewed him at the high school, interviewed him and his coach and got pictures, and, and uh, we got it all detailed out, and I tweeted out. I said, hey, I'm at this high school today seeing this kid, And uh, before I get back to Baton Rouge, both of my competitors had interviewed him. They didn't even know who the kid was before I went out there. And so you think about that, right? When you go out there and you do it, and then you hope that the fans notice. You hope they say, wait, I I first heard about this. Steve went to the school. But that's not what happens more times than not. And so there's a lot of sharks out there, as they say in this song. It's true. And so sometimes you think i got to keep all this stuff to myself. But, you know, we're in the information business. And uh, I can't count how many times I'd interview a kid and there'd be some breaking news or he'd be ready to commit or said, I'd just run to a McDonald's and and jump on their Wi-Fi and go post a story. It's because I'm out there doing the grunt work for everybody else. And they're getting the benefit of my work. And I was the one sometimes getting the story up last. And I'm the one that found the kid. But I'm a firm believer in this. <clears throat> if you work hard, people recognize that. Now, there are other people out there that are just like, you know what, I don't even care about how much effort you put in. I just want the story. I just, I just want the story, you know. And I get that aspect of it, too. Uh, but I know this. I know that uh, if you suit up every day and you show up and you do the next right thing, the good things happen in life. I, I believe that as sure as I'm sitting here. I, I believe if you work hard that uh, the good Lord will bless your labor. And there, there will never, ever, ever be any end to all the people uh, that want to profit or benefit from your hard work. It's true. It's true. There are people out there that love to steal it from you. They do. Uh, you know, it's just that's just kind of the world in which we live in. And so I, I share that with you because, again, this is just one of those songs. It's kind of one of the soundtrack of my life. And it's kind of a reminder. You know, I remember being, you know, uh, out there on the road. You know, getting home sometimes 2 and 3 in the morning, making those nine-hour drives and going down to Bradenton, Florida and cover the tournament at IMG and then immediately have to turn around and go to College Station, Texas, uh, to go cover the Texas high school state 707 championships. Uh, You know, I'm not a guy that just goes down to the dandy dozen photo shoot and calls it a year. You know, and granted, I don't have to travel as much for recruiting as I used to, but I still do. Now we just travel more for the team, and I'm trying to pull these other guys up with me. Number one, though, and maybe this applies too. It's probably the most recognizable Cypress Hill song of all time. And if memory serves me correct, I think it was the first video they played on MTV from Cypress Hill. But it's uh, insane in the brain. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Everybody knows it. If you know Cypress Hill, you know it. That is the signature song of this band. And uh, we hadn't done rap in a while, and uh, we certainly hadn't done West Coast gangster rap in a while. Uh, But this is a fun-loving group, for sure, and um, they talk about being studio gangsters and things like that. In many respects, they are. uh, They've elevated themselves to a different point. they brought themselves out of poverty, and uh, many of them immigrants, and uh, was forced to live in the ghettos. just because of uh, socioeconomic standing in their lives. Now they're world famous. And uh, so, 20 million records sold, plus for Cypress Hill. And uh, I'm a fan. I know that you are, too. Many of you many of you have thought, I've never listened to these guys before. You should. You should. Because these guys are legit. They are truly uh, an American success story in many respects. Whether you agree with um, you know, some of their lyrical content, uh, these guys are really uh, the American dream come true. That's Cypress Hill. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. The best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's dawgmatic 67. You can also find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. Go ahead and subscribe, and our great list will just auto-populate, give you something fresh to listen to three times a week. How about that? You know your playlist is stale anyway. Let me help you. Uh, but, yeah, hit us up, let us know. You never know, we might just use it, as, uh, as we did today for Sylvester Cream and uh, our friend Hunter Butler. So there you go. Cypress Hill, enjoy. The weekend. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If uh, you are looking for Mississippi State merch, I know you are, you need to uh, hit up Campus Bookmart. Next time you're in town, go by and see them. We'll have two home games left to go, uh, be big shopping days. Good chance that uh, you'll see me. How about that? Uh, over at Campus Bookmart. We will have an opportunity to sign some books here really soon as the uh, new book scheduled to be delivered next week at long last. Really excited about that. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. You know what it is. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's look at the SEC schedule. Going to be an interesting week. We kind of touched on it on Wednesday. Alabama at Kentucky with a win. Alabama can wrap up the SEC West. Now, of course, they get a uh, couple of that with a Ole Miss loss, and uh, it's really academic at this point. But um, Alabama at Kentucky. Guys, what's weird, too, about this Alabama and Kentucky thing, they never play, ever. I mean, how does that happen, right? That, that's another reason why the schedule rotation – Needs to be fixed. I think everybody is uh, happy about that aspect. I mean, you, we don't have to play Alabama every year. You, yeah, I'll sign up for that. And, I, and listen, I hate to be a lower-the-hurdles guy when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, we've had to play those guys more than anybody over the years. But, guys, Kentucky has beaten Alabama two times in school history. Are you aware of that? They played 41 times. Alabama with a 38-2-1 and record. Uh, The last time that the Crimson Tide has gone to Lexington, Kentucky, 2013. So it's been 10 years since they've made the trip to Kroger Field. They've only played two times since then, both in Tuscaloosa. That's one of the things that, you know, I've always kind of brought up about, oh, look at what a great job Stoops done in Kentucky. And listen, he is a great coach. They hadn't had to march into Tuscaloosa but twice during his tenure. And they got beat 63-3 and 34-6. There has not been a competitive game between these two since 2008, and that was a 17-14 Alabama win. I like Alabama to win this game, and after watching Kentucky in person last week, I like Alabama even more. You just wonder a little bit about how Alabama emotionally will be after that big win over LSU. Will they be emboldened to go ahead and finish this thing up and play well, or can Kentucky control the tempo? And run the football. I think that Kentucky's going to have a tough time, even with Ray Davis running the football against Alabama. I don't know that Devin Leary has enough juice to win this game. And you know that Alabama pass rush uh, can be absolutely relentless. Alabama secondary, maybe not as talented as they have been in recent years, but there's still some dudes back there. I like Alabama to win this game. I don't think it's a competitive game. I don't think it's a blowout either where it's you know 63-3 to or anything like that. I do think Alabama – Gets the better of Kentucky and wins this game by a couple scores. I don't think Alabama is stressed in the second half. Vanderbilt travels to South Carolina. Uh, That's your other 11 a.m. game. told you guys after week two, Vanderbilt still won the football games. Uh, South Carolina is still really up against it. Going to be a really difficult chance for them uh, to be bowl eligible. Beginning of the year, thought they might finish 6-6. In order to do that, they're going to have to win out. The good thing for the Gamecocks, again, they get the final three games at home. That's Vanderbilt this week, Kentucky next week, and then Clemson. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened, but I think South Carolina's going to find themselves out of the bowl picture this year. I don't think Beamer is in any bad shape at all, and they've had some significant injuries. It's kind of call it what it is. But Vanderbilt simply doesn't have the horses. South Carolina wins this game. I don't think it's a competitive game in the second half. Maybe it is the half. But this Vanderbilt offense has been so incredibly anemic. And you kind of wonder what they'd be with Mike Wright, right? Uh, Tennessee's at Missouri. Again, a sneaky good game here. That's your CBS game this week. Tennessee going to Missouri. I'm going to take the balls here. But I'll tell you this. I won't be the least bit surprised to see Missouri win. And that's the surprise of the league this year is the Tigers of Missouri. Uh, A lot of people thought, including myself, they'd probably be a 500-type team, and Eli Drinkwitz may be under some pressure. I think Eli Drinkwitz has legitimized himself, though he is a very quirky and weird guy. Just win, baby, right? Should be a very competitive game, but again, we'll take the Vols to win here. Auburn's at Arkansas. Beginning of the year, I said the loser of this game was going to finish last in the West. Well, in order for that to happen, Mississippi State's going to have to win some games, and Auburn would have to beat Arkansas. Arkansas's new-look offense did a really good job going to Gainesville, Florida, and winning in the Swamp for the first time in school history. The Auburn-Arkansas series has been a very good one. Uh, I'm taking the Razorbacks at home here. I just don't think Auburn has enough juice offensively. I think K.J. Jefferson uh, played in one of his final games as a Razorback in a new-look offense that is kind of tailored around what he likes to do. I think the Hogs are going to be able to win this game and probably have a little margin. I think it may be somewhat reminiscent of the Auburn A&M game where it's kind of a tussle for a while and then, um, you know, Arkansas puts them away. Oh Miss at Georgia. Now, this is another one of those weird games too where these two don't see each other very often. It's, you know, it seems like we played Georgia, what is it, three of the last five years? I think that's right. Uh, you know, Mike Leach, you know, we didn't get him on a schedule forever in a day, and lo and behold, Mike gets him all the time. But uh this Georgia team has at times you know looked rather pedestrian. But all-time Georgia leads the series 32, 12, and one. Pretty crazy. Um Ole Miss won the last meeting back in 2016. That game was vacated because Ole Miss cheated. And that was the first win for Ole Miss against Georgia since 1996. Were you aware of that? Yeah. I mean, Georgia puts together, was it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 in a row in this series? And that's really the difference in the series in many respects, is the, how dominant Georgia has been against Ole Miss. But by and large, these games have been competitive between the two of them. And of course, you know, Ole Miss absolutely beat Georgia to death in 16. And again, the game was vacated because Ole Miss cheated. Uh, but... This is a different Georgia team with Kirby Smart. And, of course, uh, you know, they're, they're pushing again towards a chance to go play for another NFL championship. This game also is in Athens, Georgia. So we fully expect, uh, you know, a raucous environment down there. And, uh, listen, Ole Miss has the offensive skill to make this game competitive. I do think it will be a very entertaining game. But I think, in the end, uh, Georgia can match up. I think Georgia can do a good job neutralizing some of that Ole Miss run game. I think Georgia's going to be able to run football. Uh, but if you're Georgia, you can't go out there and shoot yourselves in the foot in this ball game and get behind because this all Miss offense, again, is legit. All right, Florida's at LSU. And, again, a lot of discussion about Jaden Daniels. He is expected to play. He is listed as, quote, probable by Coach Brian Kelly. Uh, the Florida thing, and there's so many people. I'm going to have an update on some coaching rumors that I've heard later today on Gene's page as we drive down to College Station. I'll go ahead and put up a what we're hearing update about some of the things that I'm hearing about uh, SEC coaches. But, you know, Florida, when you look at their final three, I don't know that anybody in the conference has a more difficult final three. They're five and four. They need one to get Bo eligible. And I don't think there's a game on the schedule left you look at and say, hey, I would pick Florida. Surely. Florida is at LSU. I think you take the Tigers there, right? I'm taking the Tigers. And then Florida's at Mizzou next week. And Missouri could be playing for something very, very special. It could be. They could really play their way into something cool. And then you got Florida State in in Gainesville. And you know as well as either Florida State will try to beat Florida as bad as they can. And so at this point, it looks like Florida's going to have to upset somebody to get eligible, and perhaps the most probable of those three is the the road date to Missouri. I don't think they can stroll into Tiger Stadium and get a win. And, of course, LSU now, I guess – it's conceivable that LSU could, um, you know, play their way into, um, you know, to a pretty nice bowl game. But uh, you know, ranked 19th right now, and, and you start looking at all these things. Of course, they lose to Ole Miss and lose to Alabama, so they're out of the West race. But they're uh, six and three with uh, Florida, Georgia State, and Texas A&M. And all three of those games, are going to take place in Tiger Stadium. You like the Tigers to win out here. Uh, and finish with a nine-win season. But it's so interesting how the bloom is off the rose for Brian Kelly and Baton Rouge already. People will tell you, yeah, we won the West last year, but, uh, you know, we should be better than we are this year. And the fact that they're 6-3 and three and really out of the major bowl picture at this point, I mean, they'll get a good trip. But, um, you know, if they win the final three and get 9-3 and three and the cards fall just right, I guess they could see themselves in a New Year's Six bowl game. But uh, going to need some help along the way. And then, of course, uh, you know, Mississippi State at A&M. So, here are my winners. Alabama at Kentucky, South Carolina at home, Tennessee at Missouri, Arkansas at home, Georgia at home, LSU at home, and Texas A&M at home. Uh, that's how I see this thing breaking out here. And, again, you know, taking a quick look at the standings, uh, Georgia 6-0, and you know. And, uh, you know, Missouri is 3-2 and in the league. And so, you know, and Georgia holds a tiebreaker over, you know, Missouri and Tennessee so uh, don't don't think you're going to see a situation here where Georgia is the least bit stressed down the stretch and this old Miss game again it's a very good old Miss team you can call it for what it is much as we despise them you can't look at what they've done on the field this year and say you know what Uh, this team is going in the wrong direction they clearly are going in the right direction and they should got some talented offensive skill many of those guys will be gone next year Uh, but then you know they've recruited well quarterback you know so you don't expect there to be a big drop off looking at the west Alabama 6-0, and Ole Miss 5-1, and and we only play eight conference games, and Ole Miss uh, loses to Alabama. Uh, oh, Alabama holds a tiebreaker. So Alabama beats Kentucky. You know, I guess Ole Miss could uh, hang another co-banner, right, if they win out. But Alabama's the one going to Atlanta, provided they win this week. Now, if Kentucky pulls the upset and Ole Miss pulls the upset all of a sudden – you know, those last two rivalry games mean something rather significant, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss and Alabama would be tied, and then you'd have to win against Auburn to clinch the West. Or Mississippi State would have to win the Egg Bowl. I don't think anybody at this point is forecasting that. Uh, I did a year ago. I did. Didn't know that uh, Mike Leach was going to pass away either. Didn't know that we were going to completely retool the offense, despite the fact that we had a favorable schedule and a veteran roster. Uh, but it does appear this weekend that all of these uh, bursts in the SEC game, championship game should be official. You know, on the bottom of it right now, you know, Arkansas is one in five in the conference and seventh in the West. Mississippi State uh, is also one in five, but by virtue of the tiebreaker, State uh, is ahead of them. And, again, the fact that we're having to talk about tiebreakers to stay out of late, again, is an indictment on our football program. Auburn needs a win to get Bo eligible. AM needs a win to get Bo eligible. And they should get that against Abilene Christians. They didn't go to bowl game last year. They should this year. They were the only team in the West last year that didn't go. LSU, Ole Miss, Alabama, of course, all bowl eligible already. State will need two to get bowl eligible. Arkansas will need three. But, again, I I think Sam Pittman is safe. On the the east real quick, Vanderbilt, of course, has already been eliminated from bowl contention. South Carolina is three and six. So, one more loss. And then they're going to be out of the bowl eligibility picture unless they can find a way with APR. Florida's 5-4. and four. They need a win. Everybody else in the East is bowl eligible. It's going to be interesting down the stretch. I don't think the SEC is going to be able to hit our uh, our bowl tie-ins, but uh, that's the way things stand today. All right, let's move ahead here and let's thank our friends at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. You can Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It is recently opened up for Southern Miss Weekend. If you've been thinking about it and say, hey, let me, let me look into that, Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Now, I'm going to encourage you to book through the Evolve website because I'm going to save you some money. Just by being a listener to our show, we're going to take care of you. Now, if you book through other services, you're on your own. But if you book the Stark Vegas Clubhouse through the Evolve website, I'm going to save you 10%. Promo code BSR10. That's beautiful, Steve Robertson, 10. And that saves you 10% off your stay just to give you some incentive, right? And, And the fees are the same, right? but we're gonna save you some money just by being a Boneyard listener. Now the, the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, when you Google it, you're gonna find their Facebook page, you're gonna check it out, you're gonna see that this is a wonderful property. If you're looking to bring a large group to town, number one, this is more economically feasible. But you also get the benefits of everybody being under one roof. Now, you get up on game day and Grandma's already made the sausage biscuits for you. Or maybe granddad ran down and got some donuts for everybody and some chocolate milk everybody's there together you can break bread together you can stock that fridge you can stock those two wet bars you can get that grill going and so instead of you having to go out to eat you can prepare the food at home you can go go grocery shopping as soon as you get there and and rather and again instead of everybody having five different rooms you never know anybody is everybody can have their own private area and then have those communal areas where everybody can get together and spend time together and whether you're looking to come midweek, maybe you've got business in the Golden Triangle and you're bringing a team up here. Rather than buy, you know, waste your money in all those hotel rooms, book the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. And again, you've got these communal areas where everybody can work and then people can retreat into their own bedrooms in the evening. Uh, it's a great, great deal. The Stark Vegas Clubhouse, five minutes away from the Mississippi State campus. How cool is that? It's in the old clubhouse, the old country club or a golf course clubhouse. It's been completely renovated. got that great fire pit outside. Check it out yourself. It's a Stark Vegas clubhouse. And again, book through the Evolve website and use promo code BSR10 to save 10% off your stay. All right. Yesterday, the Southeastern Conference announced that uh, the SEC now is going to have permanent opponents in baseball. Now, we used to do this because we used to only play divisions, you know, back when there were just uh, 10 of us. You know, we played in the divisions, and uh, you never really played. uh, There were some interdivisional games, but they didn't count in the SEC standings. They were considered non-conference games. But uh, the deal now is uh, we're going to have Ole Miss and LSU as our permanent opponents, and everybody else will rotate. Uh, They wanted to preserve some rivalries. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm fine with it. I have seen a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, we get screwed in this deal. We got Ole Miss and I shoot. Now, we have dominated Ole Miss starting back to the 2016 series. And, you know, and it's so funny, you go back and look at this. You know, historically, State has been a better program. Ole Miss has had some run under, under Mike Bianco. You know, Jay Gibbs had some good years at times. Uh, Tom Swayze had some good years. But, you know, State, by the most part, has dominated the series, especially uh, the last seven seasons. Even in some of our more difficult years, we found a way to beat Ole Miss. And LSU, people say, but Steve, you know, it's LSU. And listen, LSU, pulmonary killed us. I mean, let's just kind of call it for what it is. But in the last three years, Mississippi State's won two of the three series, and both of those have been in Baton Rouge. How crazy is that? And as bad as we were pitching uh, back in twenty twenty two, Parker Sinnett nearly had us out of a ball game there. Jackson Fristo was another guy that uh, you know had a chance to close out a game against LSU. And so, uh, also too, I'd like to point out too for those of you that. Um, that maybe don't get it. We are Mississippi State, and and I can promise you that the folks at Ole Miss and LSU would rather have played somebody else. Now the good thing is for us, for in my opinion, is we don't have Arkansas anymore. Arkansas has really had our number the last few years, uh, so you don't you don't have Arkansas on the schedule each and every year. And I think that's something that could work in our advantage. Uh, you know, we'll see. So because right now you've got to play every year. You've had to play Ole Miss, LSU, and Arkansas. And uh, many years, all three of those schools are competing for a top eight national seat. Of course, the last year in Maneri and even the National championship year for Ole Miss was not a great year in the regular season. Uh, But I I like the pairing. I'm okay with the pairing. And some people are like, well, Steve, I'd rather have had this. Guys, we are an elite baseball program. We haven't had elite seasons the last two years. uh, But we are a blue blood of college baseball. And – you know, we expect to play difficult games. And in our league, the most challenging league in the Southeastern Conference, no matter who you got in your draw, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, were you expecting us to get Kentucky and Missouri? Yeah, well, Kentucky killed us last year. And Missouri's won what, the last, what, three of the last four series against us, even in our national championship year. SEC baseball is SEC baseball. So let's take a quick look around the league and kind of see how it all went down. I wrote some of this yesterday, but I want to provide some additional insight. Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that that's a great draw for Alabama. I, I think Auburn and Tennessee are both better programs than Alabama. And I understand Alabama's made a coaching change, and, and we go through this every few years. We're like, oh, this guy's going to do great things. Um, this hadn't happened. I mean, since Jim Wells left and Gorilla Ball went away, it's incredible uh, what Alabama has been unable to achieve really is. Arkansas, I think I like their drive. If I'm Arkansas, I'm happy about this because you get Ole Miss and Missouri. Uh, now, I expect Missouri to improve, you know, with Coach Jackson up there. Uh, I think this is a guy, number one, that knows what Major League Baseball programs are looking for. He spent some time with MLB. Uh, of course, brought a uh, really good uh, you know Southern team, I guess it was, to Starkville in a regional a couple years ago, a few years ago. But if you're Arkansas, it's like phew, I, I avoid LSU, I avoid Mississippi State, I avoid Tennessee. I really thought they may put Arkansas and Tennessee together because you know, we had to retool the entire schedule last year because Tennessee and Arkansas were supposed to play, and everybody wanted that Van Horn Tony Vitello matchup. So uh, that's off the table. So Arkansas, I think, got a good draw. They, but you know, they're going to play every other year. They're going to play either us or LSU. Auburn gets Alabama and Georgia. I think this is a really good draw for Auburn. Uh, The Auburn-Alabama series is always going to be one that's highly contested because of the fact it's an in-state program. But Auburn also recruits a lot over in Georgia, even though that the uh, university decided that those bordering counties right there in the state of Georgia are no longer considered in-state tuition. That's also a very baseball-crazy hotbed right there in Georgia. So some, some premium players that traditionally would have headed to Auburn now have to pay out-of-state tuition. That's something that uh, I'm sure that John Cohen uh, will do his best to change. Uh, but this is a good draw for Auburn because, again, I know Wes Johnson's at Georgia. I- I'm not as enamored with that direction of that program many of you are. Uh, Florida gets Georgia and South Carolina. Again, Florida is a better program than Georgia. The South Carolina series has been uh, really contested between these two. Uh, you got Florida with an AFL championship, South Carolina with two uh I, listen i love going to founders park and the next time we play at south carolina if you've never been as soon as the schedule comes out go ahead and book your rooms it is a great experience to play at founders uh, park there at south carolina the second best baseball venue in a southeastern conference and i, I will die on that hill i'll argue with anybody about that because i've been to them all i've been to every one of them and uh that founders park at south carolina is truly special it really is not as nice as duty noble but it is really really cool Uh, Georgia, of course, gets Florida and Auburn. And, again, we'll see what happens with Wes. Uh, But, you know, Florida and Auburn, you feel like Georgia and Florida should play. And then, of course, uh, it's a pretty easy road trip from Auburn over to Georgia and vice versa. Uh, So not bad there. Kentucky, I think Kentucky really got a terrible draw. And, uh, you know, somebody had to. They get South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Now, Nick, my friend, Nick Mangione, of course, uh, gets a nice extension. They had a really good year last year. Uh, had a chance to get to Omaha. They just ran into the defending national champion, LSU, LSU Tigers, in Baton Rouge. But uh, Kentucky went down there and competed. And I think Nick has kind of figured this portal thing out a little bit, uh, the kind of player that can come to Kentucky and be successful. But South Carolina and vanity, that's tough. It really is. Because South Carolina, I think people would agree, as great as Kentucky was last year, uh, and very competitive the year before. You know, South Carolina is the better program, and certainly Vanderbilt is. So Kentucky gets no relief with this. And, of course, LSU gets Mississippi State and Texas a and uh, I like it. I think, uh, of course, anybody that gets LSU is going to say, man, I wish I had somebody else. Because, uh, listen, LSU is LSU. It is. Uh, but A&M, uh, you know, with Schlossnagel over there, I think there's a chance those guys will at least avoid a sweep and probably put a loss on those guys. In the case occasionally they'll get a win. I'll be honest with you. Blue Bell Park is um, it's not what many people. It looks great on TV, but it, it's really there's really not much to it. I mean, you got the bubbles and all that kind of stuff, and the ball nine thing, and the fans love it. It's just a very benign atmosphere in many respects. That they build it up on TV like it is, but when you're there, you know there is no outside. There's no outfield seating. There's really nothing down the lines down there. It's all in the grandstand itself, and they do love their baseball there. They're just not truly committed to baseball and. Um, at least from a facility standpoint. And they've kind of let that stadium get a little antiquated. But uh, I think uh, Slosh and those guys will um, will push for more. And Ross Bjork, of course, uh, was at Ole Miss and understands uh, you know, what a party it can be. Speaking of Ole Miss, they get Mississippi State and Arkansas. I think that's a win for us. Because I think more years than not, and I think this Bianco thing is about to be over. I, I really do. Uh, I think Bianco, if uh, if they don't have – a bounce-back year this year. I think the noise in Oxford about Bianco, because, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Even though he's won an NFL championship, you know, I think there's so many people up there that are just like, you know what, we're just ready to move on from this. Even though we've won, even though we hadn't been, you know, great, even the NFL championship year. You know, it was a pretty pedestrian year. They were the last team in the tournament. But Bianco does a great job coaching them, and I think Bianco's an amazing coach. I do. I absolutely do. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that team does this year. It's basically a brand new roster you know, outside of a few pitchers. I mean, they really hit the portal hard because they lost so much a year ago. And, uh, you know, speaking of some of their people, when we played them in the governor's game. Uh, they knew that they were facing some pretty serious attrition. Uh, so is this the last ride for Mike Bianco? Yeah, we'll see. But having Mississippi State and Arkansas, no matter who the coach is moving forward, that is a very difficult draw. If you're Ole Miss. That that truly is. You look at ours and say we get Ole Miss and LSU. I, I would venture to say that uh, the Mississippi State of Arkansas draw for Ole Miss is equal to that. And maybe worse, to be honest with you. Uh, because of the fact states had such great success against Ole Miss. I mean, somebody that's dominated you, right? Like it's how we feel about LSU, right? And then it makes it even worse if we're in-state rivals. All right, Missouri gets Oklahoma and Arkansas. I, I, I like it, I think it's spicy. Uh, I like the fact that you've got these uh, you know, former you know, Big 12 schools together. I think geographically it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Missouri, the worst baseball facilities in the conference, bar none. But Arkansas is going to bring some fans. I don't know how well Oklahoma is going to travel, but uh, it, makes, it makes sense to me regionally and geographically. Oklahoma has Missouri and Texas. You have to have Texas and OU. You have to. They come in together. We're going to make you play each other. Uh, I think also it's a traditional rivalry, so you're kind of honoring that. South Carolina, again, uh, gets Kentucky and Florida. I I think that's probably fair. You know, you get a team that has traditionally been better than you and a team that hasn't been, so that's probably fair. And then Tennessee gets Vanderbilt and Alabama. Uh, I like the fact that Tennessee and Vandy have to play every year because in the years that we're chasing an SEC championship – uh, I don't want the guys uh, to be able to avoid each other. Texas, and this is probably my favorite draw, not just as a college football fan or college be- baseball fan or a fan of the SEC, Texas with A&M and Oklahoma. That's how it should be. And even though they're all going to be our and cousins these days, I like the fact that we're restoring the natural rivalry between A&M and Texas and making it an SEC game. And then, of course, Oklahoma. I love the draw. I think it's great. And again, A&M, Texas and LSU. Uh, yeah, yeah t- two uh, recent Omaha mainstays, right? Um, so, Schloss and the guys are going to have to earn it there. And in Vanderbilt it gets Tennessee and Kentucky. And so, there's no way you can look at this and say, anybody got a peach of a draw. Probably the best draw, in my estimation, is Auburn. I think Auburn got the best draw, getting Alabama and Georgia. And then you avoid Mississippi State and'll miss or and Arkansas and I will shoot. That is Butch Thompson should get up today and go ahead and tithe again just because I think that's a true blow. I think Auburn gets the best draw uh, but again, kind of working through this thing here, I don't think Kentucky got a great draw. I don't know that South Carolina got a great draw but it's pretty good. but uh, you know the newcomers you know Texas and Oklahoma especially Texas. I don't think they did Texas any favors. And, of course, Oklahoma does get Missouri. Uh, So, you know, that's going to be a road series. It doesn't feel like a road series because uh, they don't go to the games. But um, it's just a weird vibe going up and playing in Missouri. It's hard to get up to go play in Missouri. You know, the the crowds are just not very serious and the facilities aren't very serious. And you would think if if you're you're the road team, it's like, hey, I don't have to deal with – you know, 10,000 people that know my girlfriend's Instagram handle and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a different dynamic. The fans there just aren't quite as rabid. But uh, that's where it stands. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't know that it was necessary, but I know that people are like, hey, we want to preserve these baseball rivalries. I don't know that most people that aren't, you know, outside of the hardened college baseball fan really cares about that stuff as much. But, uh, you know, would any of our seasons be complete if we didn't beat Ole Miss? I mean, honestly, because that's all you'd hear. Like, if we didn't play them, they'd say, well, yeah, yeah, we, I mean, they didn't play us. I don't think they want to play us. But uh, but I just want to go over this thing today. And, again, I don't know that it's one of these things that we had to do, but um, I think it's one of those things that um, is probably a good thing. Uh, and the, the final statement in the SEC release is, the permanent SEC baseball opponents were determined on a number of factors, including geography – Traditional opponents and strength of schedule. The two permanent opponents for each school are listed below. I've given you all those, but uh, you can't tell me that strength of schedule factored into this. I mean, come on. There's no way. There's no way it did. You know, because of the fact that uh, you know Auburn, you know get they get this peach of the draw, but you know Bush has taken them to Omaha multiple times. You know, so I don't believe that whole strength of schedule thing. I really don't. Uh, I think, especially when you look at Mississippi State. LSU is our true baseball rival, and we haven't been as competitive with them as we have been with Ole Miss. As a matter of fact, we've dominated Ole Miss, and up until 2021, LSU had kind of dominated us for a decade, but uh, we are getting our two traditional baseball rivals, and uh, at the end of the day, I don't know that we should have a strong opinion about everybody else. All right, let's get ready to get out of here, and uh, I actually got the show done a little quicker than I expected, and uh, reminder, too, When the Bottom Falls comes out next week. Uh, it's Production supposedly finished up yesterday. I haven't had an update today. We're just uh, after 9 o'clock here uh, in Starkville. But uh, supposed to be delivered next week. And um, once we have that, of course, we'll uh, we'll release it in Starkville first. I think it's one of those deals, too, where uh, it has taken longer than I expected, and it always does, right? I guess the only one that, um, you know, um, oh, here it is. So here's the latest update. Uh, ETA of Monday the 20th, so 10 days from now. It looks like we're going to have it. Um, So it's shipping next week, and it looks like it'll be here on the 20th. If it gets here before then, we'll be ready to go. But uh, Monday the 20th is when the the shipping company has said it'll be here. Uh, Went back and checked my my information here. Firm ship date is uh, the 16th, so they're going to ship out on the 16th with an ETA of the 20th. So there you go. If you hadn't done so, go to windandbottomfalls.com. You can pre-order the book there. You get signed copies. And uh, you can also get all my sports books there. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dog Pile. Every Bulldog fan uh, deserves to have Dog Pile. And I think every Bulldog fan and Ole Miss fan deserve to have a copy of Flim Flam. I do. Uh, So think about that as you begin your Christmas Day shopping. Maybe you've got that uh, you know, smarmy Ole Miss brother-in-law. It'd make for fun conversation over some eggnog when you hand him a copy of flim flam for christmas or maybe you've got that old miss Coworker, worker you know the one that's always the one that gave you so much grief and said oh you know you guys are wrong or we're you know we did a deep dive in our program everything's great uh, it's always nice to have a reminder always nice to have a reminder be sure and uh and check those out of course if you're looking for stark villains gear and you certainly should be go to starkvillains.com you get t-shirts and hoodies maybe you know fans of the show that, uh, of all ages, and say, so, you know what, hey, I'm going to get them a Stark Villains t-shirt or hoodie. And uh, you can do that at StarkVillains.com. No box or shorts or thongs, just yet. But you never know. You never know. We me put our name on everything. But uh, again, at StarkVillains.com, it's a great holiday gift. I know last year I got uh, a picture, and everybody in the family got a Stark Villains hoodie. That's really cool. Stark Villain hoodie. Uh, matter of fact, the wife wore a uh, Stark Villains shirt last night uh, through the college show. I think that's right. No, she didn't. She wore all that yesterday. We went to the Colin show yesterday. We uh, we've been doing that on Thursday nights. Been going to the Zach Arnett uh, Dog Talk show. You never know what you may learn. Uh, but also too, uh, just you know, it's support, right? Uh, it's a night out. It's a chance to uh, have a chance to hear uh, Neil Price and Zach Arnett uh, speak. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do some more of that as we get into the year. But uh, I just felt like this year it was important for us to go. You know, wave the banner and uh, and be there. Uh, and we've met so many great fans that have turned out. Last night, the turnout was a little bit um, subdued, shall we say. But uh, we look forward to seeing you all uh, next Thursday night, if you're in town, come out to, uh, to Dog Talk uh, with Neil Price and Zach Garnett. We'll be there, um, You know, barring some totally unforeseen. And I want to thank everybody, too, that came out last night, uh, had a chance to speak at a recovery function. I don't I don't always publicize those things because I don't want it to turn into something that's not recovery-related um but spoke last night man what a tremendous group of people it turned out and uh i, I just reminder with this man before we get ready to get on the road to texas and and i wrote about this yesterday you know i think about all the things that have happened in my life and i think oh there's always this right i've got and you know, you've got the new business here and there's always stresses with our business you know you always you're always under the, the gun you're always working you're always hoping you don't get beat on a story you, i put so much pressure on us man i really do but I remember a time, man, when uh, I couldn't get a job. Couldn't, couldn't get a job. Couldn't, couldn't get a job doing anything. Man, took a took a job through a temp agency to work construction, because uh, they didn't run a background check. Yeah, that's where we were. You know, and I go back and think about that, man. That was thirty-some odd years ago, and uh, couldn't get a job. And uh, now in the company, and uh, it's amazing, you know, what has happened in life. And I don't just say that to praise my own level of commitment and perseverance and hard work and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, You know, but the opportunities that have been afforded to me and that I've been blessed with. And uh, it's never anything that I take for granted. And uh, it's one of the reasons I'm I'm packing up and going to College Station, Texas. You know, 25, 30 years ago, I would have given anything to been given the opportunity to cover Mississippi State in a football game, period. Now I'm an SEC member of the credentialed SEC media. And I don't take this stuff for granted, man. I do. If the Bulldogs are playing, we're going to be there, right? That's the commitment that I make, not only to myself, but – Uh, to my former self. I'm not going to dog this thing, man. It's not. And uh, so we'll have full coverage from uh, College Station, Texas, and uh, look forward to getting out there. Uh, For Dana and Justin, it's their first time going to a ball game at Kyle Field. And if you've never been, it is pretty special. They do some different things there, and I get it. Some of it's kind of weird. But it is a really cool college football environment, and uh, we look forward to being your eyes and ears. Uh, down in college station texas so look for full coverage of mississippi state's game against texas a&m at jeanspage.com the mississippi state affiliate for 247 sports until next time it's all of our lives and a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live